You are listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 79. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, folks, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, Angela, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I am a business consultant and coach helping women in business go from stuck, overwhelm, and working in their business to helping them gain clarity, strategies, and systems they need in order to allow them to grow five, six, and seven-figure businesses. In this day and age, it is super rare, and not to mention basically unheard of, for a business to, what's the word I'm looking for, run or under survive as a solo operation. More often than not, you're going to need to call in support to help you to grow your business. However, this is where things can get super overwhelming and even tricky for some business owners, especially if you've never hired a contractor or employee before, managed contractors or employees. And needless to say, this is a learning curve that often businesses push off from doing, but really shouldn't because it could make or break the success of their business. I'm super excited to bring on Gina from Horky Handbook today to talk specifically about how you can build your own dream team. We're going to be talking about what are some of the blocks businesses have when it comes to hiring their dream team, how you know when it's time to start hiring your dream team, what to prioritize before you start hiring people for your dream team, and what should businesses do to assess what tasks they should hire out first. And lastly, we will go through the exact steps businesses need to take on how to build your own individual and amazing amazing dream team. But before we jump into this episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new on-demand business masterclass, the ultimate four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business. In my 60-minute jam-packed on-demand masterclass, you will learn my signature four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business without sacrificing times with your kids, without the overwhelm, or without wasting any more cash. I also dive deep in the uh, sorry the four big mistakes that everyone in business makes and why they're keeping you from growing that sustainable and profitable business. And I'll also talk briefly about what is working in business now and why most of what you're being taught about growing a business is outdated and wrong. To sign up for my on-demand masterclass, you can simply head to bit.ly, B-I-T full stop L-Y backslash masterclass with Angela Henderson. And again, that link is bit, B-I-T full stop L-Y backslash masterclass with Angela Henderson. All right, let's get into today's amazing episode. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It is great to have you here. Now, I know it's only been a few months. It seems like we've known each other longer than that, but we actually connected at the Superfast Business Live event in Sydney uh, that James Shremko was putting on. And uh, since then, you've been doing quite a bit of traveling. Have you not getting into you know a little bit of worldly awesomeness? Yeah. So my first trip overseas was last summer to Prague, and that was amazing. And then this spring, at least spring here in the United States, uh, end of March, early April is when we went to Australia to Sydney for the conference, which was amazing. Such a great group of people. So fun to see that city. And then we went to Auckland, New Zealand after that, and then came back home. But yeah. It's beautiful over there. Can't wait to go back. And speaking of home, that's one of my first questions that I want to talk to you a little bit about in this instance is I always ask our guests a question before we get into into the nitty gritty about what we're going to be talking about today, because I think it's important that they get to know a little bit more about you and, you know, kind of what you're like as a person just from a business point of view. So my first question to you is, is I know you live in Minnesota. And for those that are listening that aren't aware, Minnesota is a state in the United States. Uh, It is a northern state, uh, which means it gets cold as shit there. So (laughs) for you, Gina, is do you actually really enjoy the cold or are you more a warm weather type of person? Oh, so I do enjoy the fact that we have four seasons here in Minnesota. And so we are headed just at the end of our summer right now into fall, which is beautiful. Spring and fall are very exciting, kind of inspired times of the year because of uh, the seasons changing. And 
I like that. I do not like the summer when we have really bad like bugs here, right? So your mosquitoes and your deer flies, which hurt like a set of a yes. thing. <laughs> yes. And then in the winter, it gets quite cold and our winter can sometimes feel like it's six months long. So one of the very interesting things about my story, which I know we'll get into, is that we actually head south um, for, it'll be two months this winter. I'm 35. My husband's in his early 40s and we have two kids that are going into first and second grade. And this will be our fifth year relocating for a part of the winter as snowbirds to enjoy some fun in the sun. And we'll actually unenroll them from public school, travel down there, homeschool them while we're there. And then we come back and re-enroll them in the public school system. So it's unique and wonderful. And we're so thankful and blessed that we get to do it. Gosh, that sounds absolutely fantastic because at least, like you said, though, you living in Minnesota is probably a bit more enjoyable because, you know, you've got an exit strategy, really. Um, And, you know, many of my family members back home in Canada, they're always looking at where can we get to Mexico or Cuba or Australia, somewhere warm, because there is also a thing called, you know, many of those listeners will know that I'm a mental health clinician of 15 years. And one of the things we do know is in those colder uh, months where there's less sunlight, less vitamin D, that we you do get hit with a thing called seasonal affective disorder, where totally. you're, because your mood changes due to the seasons, where technically you wouldn't exhibit signs of depression and or anxiety if the sunlight was there and you were rocking and rolling. But when those cold winter months come, it can really impact people. So I know a lot of my family, they might not suffer from seasonal affective disorder, but there's a lot of people that are always looking at getting to that sun because they genuinely, like it's like their body's craving it. So well done oh. for being able to make that happen for you and your family. A hundred percent. Yeah. They sell lamps for that. So anybody that needs some extra lighting, let's say you're filming some video or whatever, if you're an entrepreneur working from home like us, they have seasonal affective uh, disorder lamps that can 100%. be a dual yeah, win for you for getting that into your skin and then also providing that extra light for you. Yeah, and it's actually prescribed a lot over in Norway and Sweden, for example, where it's like light therapy. People actually book in to go and have this light therapy just to keep, do you know what I mean? That was that your body, I guess, filled with those, you know, nutrients, you could say from like, yeah, the, the sunlight. And then in Norway and Sweden, where it's like 23 hours of darkness at some stages, there's not yep. a lot for your body to see sunlight in any way, shape or form. So smart. It's just like Alaska. That's how their winters are too. And I, I, they, they survive up there. They're tough. So they're, they're so tough. I always watch the, what's that TV show? The Alaskan highway or highway, mm-hmm. highway They've from hell. Yes. My husband and I, we love that one. So now tell us a little bit more about, I guess, like you were just started a little bit, but for the listeners that don't know you, tell us a little bit more about you and then obviously your business and what you currently get up to. Sure. I'd love to. So um, my name is Gina Horky and Horky is important because that is my married last name, but it also is kind of the branding for our website. I started um, HorkyHandbook.com. It is German. So we went over to Prague, by the way, we did a day trip. My husband got to come along and that was a work-based trip. Um, as a virtual assistant, I support this really cool company um, that does programming training for developers. And the boss flew us all over to Prague last summer and we got to like team build and stuff. And it was amazing. And anyways, uh, yeah, talk about a perk of a job. And we took a day trip over to um, Germany and it was kind of fun because we saw our last name everywhere. They had added the Y when they came over to the United States. Um, But that was just kind of a fun fact and fun travel trip too. Um, But anyways, the website was really created because I had a career in personal finance. Mm -hmm. I was almost a decade into that role. My husband had quit his job in 2013 to become a stay-at-home dad when our second child was born. And uh, I didn't really like being in finance anymore. There was a lot of paperwork and hoops to jump when it came to being like compliant and standardizing all of the things. And about 20% of my time was doing the stuff I loved, which was working with clients and doing financial planning and helping them to work towards their goals. And so luckily, I've been able to find what I really enjoyed in the career that I had before. Um, and spend more time doing it in the career that I have now. And all I knew at that time in the beginning of 2014 is I just didn't want to work in finance for another 30 years. Yeah. And 
Um, so I was looking for some other things to give a go. And I came across freelance writing for the web. I did not know it was a thing that you could actually get paid to write content for websites and newsletters and white papers and press releases and all of those things. Um, and so I came across it and I gave it a go. And writing is something that I'm kind of passionate about and was doing as a hobby anyways. And turns out that I was decent at it. And I found some clients and I started doing that on the side of my full-time job. And and then I came across an opportunity to do some customer service and email management as a virtual assistant for a client. And it kind of snowballed from there. And so I shared you know, the first reason that I started my website was actually to have um, freelance writing samples be showcased there. So I had a portfolio for potential clients to look at. And then as I started to share about my journey, I continued to get asked questions about how I was doing what I was doing. And I had uh, shared income reports and things like that, just to be accountable and, you know, build some community and things like that. And I was able to leave my nine to five behind within eight months of looking into this whole crazy world of online business. Yep. Well, how awesome is that? And now, like you said, you've got your own business, which is fantastic. You get to travel around the world with your family, which is awesome, equally wicked. Um, And now, like you said, you're just continuing to grow your business every single month. So Today, we're going to talk about building your dream team, which again, can be a little bit maybe overwhelming for some. But in my opinion, like I've talked about in the intro, is that most successful businesses cannot succeed by doing it themselves, you know? And and if you really look at it and You know, when I say succeed by themselves, I'm talking about literally you're the one who's doing the social, you're the one that's doing the orders, you're the one like you're literally doing everything. You do not have a single other person that helps you, not your husband, not your partner, not anyone. Because when you have like your partner helping you with orders or you've got someone doing that still help, it's an extension of you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so my thing is, is I find it, it's very rare for successful businesses to be doing it on their own. And that ultimately, if you're still kind of in that mode, I've, I've often found with working with women in business as a business coach that they're still in hobby mode, right? That they're, that they're still kind of testing the waters are things they're able to kind of manage everything on their own. But those that go from kind of hobby into that business and slash scale, they need to build a dream team around them. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, Gina, because it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated, but as we're going to talk about today, there are definitely some things that businesses need to be aware of when getting ready to hire their dream team. But first I want to talk to you about Gina is what do you think are some of the blocks that businesses have when it comes to hiring their dream team? Because I think that's kind of, we need to kind of clear the elephant in the room because it's, it's important that we kind of start here. Yeah. You know, one of the big ones I think is that people want to do it all and they realize they can't uh, at that certain point. And so they wait too long to take on their first or their next team member because they're just busy in the day-to-day activities of doing the business. And you know maybe they haven't taken a, a step back and really looked at how things are running and the opportunities that they're missing by just being head down and doing the things, right? And so a lot of people just wait too long to hire. And it's actually best to hire when you are growing, but you're not at full capacity. Because what happens when you're at full capacity or above is you really don't have time to properly find the right person and then train them in in order to be that kind of kick-ass team member the, you know, that joins your dream team. Mm-hmm. Another, go ahead. No, no, no. I, and I totally agree. I, you see it almost businesses start to become panicked, right? Is they yeah. know that they're at capacity or they're even start to exhibit signs of burnout, um, yeah. that overwhelm, uh, they're making mistakes in their business. Like it's a combination. Not everyone has the same things, but it starts like you can start, kind of start to see it. Right. Um, and again, if you're able to kind of look at building your dream team before you get to that, I couldn't agree with you more around that opportunity to kind of, uh, how would you say, take um, ownership, but equally take advantage of maybe if you're in a slower season or you have more time on your hands to actually be productive and proactive about, you know, bringing on people who you need when times might be slower versus in times of where it's panic and crisis situation. Well, we just live in this wonderful worldwide economy that we get to choose really what we do for a living if we have an entrepreneurial spirit at least. And we get to choose 
who we work with, especially when we're contracting out or we're hiring our own employees. And so being able to do a good job by having kind of that clarity and that um, allowance of time and freedom and stuff like that is really cool. Um, And so the second point that I was thinking when I was preparing for this is a lot of people will get married before they go on the first date. And so (laughs) a problem of being too busy, right? Is that they know they need help and they just kind of take the first person that comes along. And sometimes it works out and it's great. It's exactly who they needed and what they needed at the right time. But other times um, they will try and fit a square peg into a round hole. Uh And so they took on maybe somebody that's in their network, a friend or a family member. And that friend and family member isn't actually qualified to do the work that they need them to do or doesn't have the maybe, um, you know, one of the problems that I think that people run into is that they'll hire somebody that they think is able to kind of self-direct and figure things out only to find out that they really need a lot more handholding. Um, and so that's kind of knowing what you're looking for and what roles that you're looking to fill, which we'll talk more about later. And then the last thing is it really has to do with that square peg and round hole is keeping people in roles that they don't excel at. Like, I think that's a mistake that people make um, when you don't know exactly what you need from somebody or you don't know what the person flourishes at, what their skills are, then sometimes you can put them into the wrong roles when you really have... Um, you know, the opportunity for them to excel somewhere else in your business, or maybe it's not your business that's the best fit. Yeah. And acknowledging and giving yourself permission to go, like, I might have to let this person go because they're not the best fit. Where I think, again, sometimes we get emotionally involved going, oh, I'm going to make this work. And you're like, actually, no, you just got to go, this isn't working. You know, you can still be kind and polite about it, but it's just not working. So I've totally been guilty about that myself. And it's like, it's, another level of hell when you know that you need to do something and you just, you don't want to. And so you keep trying to make it work, but you know, ultimately that's what you have to do. Yep. <laughs> and, and I think we all have been there, right? I think it's, but as you get better with building your dream team, do you know what I mean? And we're going to talk about some of those things that are necessary to build it is that you, you then are able to be a little bit more pickier, but again, you've got mm-hmm. a different skill set, So, you know, you can, you can let people go quicker because you know what you're looking yeah. for quicker. But when you first start out, I would just rather you start out somewhere. Um, and we're going to talk about how you can start out a bit more effectively than kind of just going in on the deep end. Um, and let's talk about a little bit more about when, how do businesses, like we know that we said it's better to do it if you can do it earlier rather than, do you know what I mean, hiring your dream team when you're in a state of panic, but how can businesses or when do businesses know or need to start kind of assessing, um, like how do they know when it's time to start building their dream team? Like what are some of the characteristics that it would look like for a business owner so that if those out there listening, they can kind of go, oh, actually, ooh, maybe I do need to start doing this now. So what does that look like? Yeah, I think if you're growing and you know that you're nearing capacity, let's say you are a solopreneur um, and you want to continue to scale and grow your business, then it's something you should be thinking about because you're going to hit a point in your business where you can only automate so many things. And the next step in order to keep on that growth trajectory is to add another person to your team. So that would be one situation. The second is not having the time or desire to learn something new in your business that needs to be done. So as your business scales and grows, like you're going to enter different levels of success, which are going to need, you know, new tools and it's just a whole new ball game. And so in order for you to keep up or to improve upon what you're currently doing, you're going to need to continue to enhance your skills. And if there's something that really just doesn't float your boat, but again, you know it needs to be done, then sometimes that is a great opportunity to bring somebody onto your team. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And I also know that often in another episode, I was speaking about, about working in your business and on your business, you Mm -hmm. know, the longer you can continue to withhold yourself or not give yourself permission to start building your dream team or whatever that looks like for you, ultimately you still continue to remain the employee in your business and not the CEO in your business because you're having to do absolutely everything. So if you really want to kind of grow and scale and get into that CEO role, you know, you're going to have to start thinking about what does it look like to build this dream team. Now, for those of the listeners that are out there, Gina, and they're kind of going, okay, yeah, I've been waiting on doing this. I don't know what to do with that's kind of what pushes me over the edge is that overwhelm about where do I even begin? Can you walk us through what kind of the steps are when businesses have decided to make that leap of faith and start to hire their dream team? What does that kind of look like? 
Sure. And before we get into that, one of the things I just want to clear up that I think is kind of a misnomer in the industry is that you have to hire a full-time employee. And that's not true. I mean, you can hire a contractor, somebody else that's self-employed that maybe helps you out a couple hours a week or a month. So you can start small and you can grow with that person or you can add additional people to your team that maybe specialize in different things and you know take that process slower than adding a full-time employee tomorrow. And I will note that in episode 74, we talk about the five big mistakes that businesses make when hiring. So if you are, I can only talk about it from an Australian point of view, from the legal side, because it was an Australian lawyer that came on board. But just what Gina was talking about is exactly right. You can start small and hire contractors. You don't have to have employees. But just be mindful in Australia with the laws around hiring, And again, I'm not a lawyer, but based on some of the talks that we had on that episode 74 was around if they, if you make them kind of wear your uniform, if you're referencing Mm -hmm. them as your team, if you're making them show up to say team meetings on a weekly basis, if they make mistakes and you kind of eat the like the hour of mistake versus them having to pay an hour of their time to fix a mistake, if um, they are spending their primary source of income is because of you versus say they might work with other say businesses, but their primary source of income is you. That's in Australia where it becomes, you really want some clarity because that's where they do become an employee like under like rules and regulations to have to pay them for super sick leave, um, annual leave, et cetera. However, let's just caveat that if it's like one or two hours, all right, and they're just doing like little, your, your risk is very, very low. But it's as you start to grow and you start to increase their hours that in Australia, you just want to be mindful about what entitlements that you have to start paying them for. Again, each country is going to be very different. And what I encourage businesses is to check out in their, like in America, in your own individual state, you probably have certain guidelines around that, um, which yeah, you might be able to talk about or not. But yeah, so just be mindful that again, you don't need to, you know, do anything typically right away, but just be mindful that as you build that dream team and they start to do more hours, there are different things that distinguish contractor versus employee. Yeah, I can speak to the U.S. You know, I'm not an attorney either. I'm not a a licensed CPA um, or tax expert, but I have looked into this quite a bit and I've been self-employed pretty much my whole life. And here in the United States, it's similar in that um, they need to be self-directed. So if you are contracting with somebody and they work from their own home office or wherever it is that they work, they buy their own computer, they pay for their own internet and tools and all of the good things, more than likely they're going to be a contractor. But if you send them a headset and you're paying for their internet bill and you're directing what hours they have to work and exactly what tasks that need to be done, then more than likely they're going to be an employee. Um, So when you are hiring contractors, I think if they are more of a specialist, let's say a Facebook ads expert, you're probably not going to be telling them how to do their job, (laughs) right? Yes. And so they're clearly a contractor. And that's just kind of one of the things to think about. Um, But yeah, typically when you're having somebody that's just helping you out part-time, even if it's you're training them, more than likely they are okay as a contractor. We'll let the experts say that for sure. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's what I always say. It's just one of those things that, again, I know that being in business, my assumptions around employee versus contractor were very different. And so it's only been through nine years of being in business that I now have a better grasp on it. So for those of you that are out there and new, do you know what I mean? For me, this isn't to scare you or overwhelm you anymore. It's about educating you to just to know that, especially if you live in Australia, what you have to be looking for. And that's all. And like I said, if you need to, head to episode 74 at angelanderson.com.au and Joe, who is a lawyer in this particular field can help you out a little bit more on that. All right. So can you walk us through a little bit then about what steps um, businesses need to take when they're getting ready to hire that dream team? Because I know there's a few little steps that people need to be mindful of. Sure. I mean, the first thing thing to figure out is what do you need help with, right? And I think the easiest way to get a handle on this is to take a look at your to-do list and figure out, you know, what are the things that uniquely need to be done by you and what things can you delegate or outsource? Of the things that you can delegate or outsource, what are the things that you actually enjoy doing and aren't ready to maybe hand over to somebody else? Um, and what things do you not enjoy doing very much that you would be super glad to give to somebody else? And have you ever studied the Eisenhower matrix? Does that ring a bell for you, Angela? Dude, it rings a bell, but you'd have to re to me, I think, because it's probably been a yeah. while that I've tapped into it. 
So there's a matrix that divides it into like the four quartiles, right? And then the top left, you're going to have your urgent and your important tasks. And then you're going to have urgent, not important, not urgent, not important, and uh, important, but not urgent. And those are usually like your growth opportunities, the things that are on people's to-do list for two plus weeks or months that need to get done. But because they're not urgent, they just end up sitting there. But usually those are things like, oh, I should really write a book to be this credible expert in my industry. (laughs) Or I should start this new marketing channel that I haven't gotten around to because nobody's forced me to do it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's helpful to know what are the things that you're currently doing or need to be doing that aren't getting done or that can be done by somebody else. And then it's also helpful to take a look at those opportunity areas of what are the things that if I hired somebody to take some things off of my plate, I could actually do myself or what other things can somebody help me with that'll help me to scale. And then I like to assess all of this by an ROI or a return on investment standpoint, Mm -hmm. because whenever you can make more money in your business, it's going to be a no brainer instead of it being this big investment or this expense, excuse me, on your um, budget sheet, uh, it's going to be an investment that you're making in your business. So let's say that you're making $100 an hour because you're the practitioner and you really enjoy doing X, Y, or Z. It's selling something, it's providing a service, whatever it is that you do best. And if you can um, take some of the admin work, let's say, although uh, team members can definitely do a lot more than admin stuff, and you can pay somebody $30 an hour to do that, that will free you up to do more of the $100 an hour stuff. And then you'll add $70 an hour to your profit margin. So that's one example of kind of taking a look at um, how can we increase the revenue in our business by adding somebody to our team. Team. And those opportunity areas, it might be there are things that you're not doing that are going to result in direct revenue increases. And so maybe it's not freeing you up to do something different, but it's you know allowing you just to bring in more revenue because you're capitalizing on the opportunities. Yep. No, fantastic. And so once they kind of look at what help they need and what is the ROI going to be by outsourcing this particular help, what yep. is kind of what's the next thing they need to dig into? So they need to write like a job description, right? What are you looking to hire for? And this should really include what your budget is for the role too. So if you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, that's an important part. Uh, Because as you start to have conversations with individuals, that's something that you guys are going to have to come to an agreement on. And so it's a good idea for you to go into that conversation knowing what that service would be worth to you or how it would impact your ROI and things like that as well. Um, So you want to be able to detail out, not necessarily here's how you do it, especially if you're hiring somebody to do something that you don't know how to do currently, but here's what I'm looking for and here's how it would impact my business if it was done right. Mm -hmm. Right? So that when you're going and putting that call out, which is kind of the next step, either to your community or on a marketplace or a job board or using a service, that you know exactly what it is that you're looking to be fulfilled as far as a role. And I like to also throw in their personality traits that I'm looking for because when I'm working with people, I want to work with people that I like and I'd like them to stay around for a while unless you're just hiring for a one-time project, which is also... <laughs> Um, you know, potentially true. But there's a lot of personality tests that people are using these days. One of my favorites is the Enneagram test. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it. Yeah. And there's, what's the other one that's my favorite? Now I'm going to, I'm not going to, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's where if you, you need to be able to know what your personality is like. And then when you hire marrying up someone, because when you marry them up together, what happens is you're likely to have them from a retention point of view is a longevity point of view um, versus hiring someone who like you pretty much are going to bash heads against each other. Yeah. And it's just nice to have complementary skill sets and personality traits. Somebody can bring something to the table that maybe you don't have at that point. Um, And then the other part is it's like a kind of a bonding experience at the same time too, right? If you take this personality test and there's a lot of different free ones that you can do. So it doesn't take you a lot of time and it's not a huge investment on your part. And then you have them do it as well. Um, And you can kind of compare results and it gives you a basis for really starting a relationship and having a conversation as well. No, brilliant. 
going to put that call out. And for those of us that have online businesses, one of the easiest ways to look for somebody is within your own community. So if you have an email list and you say, Hey, I'm hiring for X, Y, and Z. And maybe you have a Google form that you have people apply to that has that job description written out. It's super easy uh, for them to be able to do. And sometimes it's nice, like the personality test, to have them uh, have to jump through a small hoop. Nothing super ridiculous, but something where it takes a little extra effort on their part where you can screen out people that are too lazy to do it and really not that interested in working with you. But the nice part about putting it out there to your community is they're probably already familiar with your business and they enjoy you and they enjoy your business. And so they would be passionate about helping you grow. Um, You can look at like a Fiverr or an Upwork or People Per Hour or some of those places. Um, And some people have great results finding the right person. Other people feel like they have to dig through a million different applications in order to do so. We train people to become kick-ass virtual assistants. So you can always come to HorkyHandbook.com and find one. We have a free service for that. So that's another option. Yeah. And then the next thing, once you have put this call out and people have started to apply, is to really go through the applications. This can seem like a tedious thing, um, and hopefully you receive you know a dozen or two. You don't want to probably have a couple hundred because that's way too overwhelming. You want to have more than three so that you actually have some people to choose in between. And this is um, a time when I would treat myself to maybe a pedicure or a nice cup of coffee or something where you can sit down and have the focus be pleasant. You're treating yourself maybe with one of those things. That's why I say pedicure. (laughs) I can totally be on my laptop, right? And be getting a a pedicure. But you're carving out a space and a time for you to be able to focus on this because it is important. You want to screen these people. You want to see how they present themselves. We actually teach our virtual assistants to do a video pitch um, and it's just a great way for somebody to, you know, receive an email, click play, and you get a sense of their personality in a few seconds and you can figure out, Hey, do I like, know, and trust this person? Um, so you can ask that that could be one of your hoops, like film 30 or 60 seconds, just, you know, telling me why you want to work with me kind of thing. So then you are going to look at these different applications, um, you know, pay attention to things like grammar, pay attention to whether or not they make some kind of personal connection with you, pay attention to, um, you know, what their skills are, of course, and if there's things that you can connect on and then narrow it down to a couple of people, two or three is great. And then you can either hire them for a paid test project or a trial period, depending on what it is that you are looking for help with. I like to have at least two people that I pay to do something because it's um, a different story when there's money on the line, right? And that's one of the reasons that you want to pay them as well is that ain't nobody working for free. Exactly then, right. <laughs> number two, when both people have some skin in the game, they take it way more seriously. And it's great then to be able to compare some results, both on what they're able to achieve on that project, but then also your working style with them as well. Yep. No, fantastic. And I do like how you said it's great if you're looking, I guess I also feel like those VAs who have done like video pitch are, you know what I mean? Making them, they're standing out from everyone else. And again, not only is it making their life easier, but again, it's making your life easier. Right. And it's not that hard to do. You can use a Chrome extension like Loom for anybody that's looking to submit a video pitch, maybe to get hired yourself. There's a little, um, you know, free nugget tool that's valuable. And it's the biggest thing is that people, again, don't want to expend that extra effort. And so a lot of people will choose not to do it. And the other reason that people don't do it is they don't like to see themselves on camera. They're super uncomfortable. It's, you know, makes them fearful. And I think, uh, you know, we just need to get over ourselves and do it anyways and just pretend like you're talking to, you know, your best friend on the other side of the computer and you'll survive and it won't be that bad. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes you <laughs> got to push through the fear. So once yeah. they've kind of, you know what I mean, you've got them, they've started to go, okay, written in, what do you need help with? What is the ROI going to be? You've written yep. a job description, looked at their budget. We've yep. put a call out to the job. You've gone through the applications during your past yeah. year. What has to happen? Oh, sorry. <laughs> now we've gone, you've, you've hired one or two people to kind of like test run it. Now what happens? Well, now that you have your pretty toes, you can decide who you want to extend a more formal offer to. So which person do you like the best? And then you'll go from that paid um, test assignment to maybe you'll still have them in a trial environment and say, hey, like I would really like to try working with you. Let's get started over the next quarter or the next 30 days. What you're hiring them for is going to determine what that period of time would be. But again, you can be kind of slow to hire 
um, and quick to fire if you need to in order to find that right fit because this is something that you're doing. You have to look at these as business decisions and not really personal decisions because you like somebody. And so you're going to start working with them and you're going to onboard them into your business. And that's going to look different for everyone. Some people are already super organized. And I was going to mention this earlier. One of the ways that you know that you're ready to hire is when you have a proven system of results and how you do things. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't already, you should figure out what are the things that you often do over and over again? And are they systematized? And have you built out a written or a video process on what it looks like to complete them? Um, We again, train our virtual assistants to take over ownership of this part because a lot of business owners don't want to do this at all. Um, They know how to do things and everything they know how to do is in their head. And so if we can help them to figure out how to take what's in their head and design a process that's repeatable out of that, then we've really helped that person, right? To be able to train ourselves, but then also leave them with this parting gift if we ever need to part ways of here's how you actually train somebody else to do this thing for your business. Yes. Yeah. Um, So we're onboarding them. We're coming up with our standard operating procedures. And the biggest thing I think is just setting expectations. So again, if you're going with a 30 day or a three month trial with the right candidate, um, you know, make sure that you have expectations on both sides of what would be, you know, a home run is uh, an expression we use in the United States a lot. What would make this experience um, amazing for both parties once we come to the end of this 30 or 90 days? Yep. And I think that's a great and simple way that, again, they're not locked in for a long time, but they're also the expectations are lined up. So you can go back and simply reflect on that, do um, you know what I mean, in that time span. So no, that's a great idea. Yeah. And it could be, you know, if they are going to be more of an employee role in your business, they would fall under that kind of guideline based on the legalities of the country that you live in. Maybe that first 30 days, they're a contractor, but you know, then you want to get married and hire, make a more formal employee employer employee offer at that time too. And one of the things that I'm a firm believer on, you know, working with women as their business consultant and coach, or even in my group coaching programs, I say the majority of VAs, contractors, and even employees fail, not because of them, but because of us. And so, and what I mean by that is, is I see it over and over and over again, is that they don't, do you mean look at, you know, they don't hire based on personality. They don't have a job description. They literally just like throw a random job thing up. They haven't put any time or effort into it. They then hire, they don't even know who they're hiring really. Then they get shitty. I see it all the time on Facebook groups, even here at live events. Like, oh my goodness, I hired, I've hired, I've gone through five people and they just don't get what I want. And I'm like, well, there's one finger pointing at them and three pointing back at you, right? Like (laughs) I just have to go and I ask them like, well, how much time are you spending with them? Do you... Uh You walked into someone like in America, Walmart or Target here in Australia, we've got Target or Kmart. You walked in any of those stores, there would be a manual that's given to you on the first day. And someone, it might not be the CEO, but it could be an operations manager. It could be who know who, but someone's there to kind of guide you and answer questions. And so I think it is important that, again, it's easy to try and blame others. But if you really want, you know, to hire your dream team, you have to be committed to hiring the right people and also, you know, nurturing them. And I guess that's my next question is, how important do you think it is for a business owner to, again, post the hiring, teach, nurture, and guide the new, you know, contractors, employees. Like that's kind of my viewpoint, but what's your viewpoint, Gina? Yeah, I think it depends on if you're hiring somebody that's already a specialist at what it is that they do and they're coming alongside you and helping you to implement something new versus you hiring somebody that's just going to take over some processes and systems that you've already developed, right? Yes. Um, But you would then also, though, be hiring based on, from that point of view, some of the specialists, you're probably going to pay them more because that's their niche. That's like, again, so Facebook ads, you know, I spend about $3,000 a month in ad management, but, and I don't, that's not my role. Do you know what I mean? To talk about Mm -hmm. their own processes, their own procedures, like just run my ads, right? Like I'm not, I don't, that's not my specialty, but when I've brought in my own operation manager or when I've brought in my own VAs who were trying to grow my business, it was really important that then it's like, I had to work out and like you said, get extract that stuff from my head and them that information. Um, and yeah, like 
if not, they're, they're like, they're gone, you know, like it's, I don't right. know. Yes no. so, well, yeah. the, exa- the example that you gave, right. What's a common denominator. If you've gone through five people, it's unlikely that all five people weren't equipped to be able to help you do this thing. If you had a clear idea of what it is that you needed to accomplish. And that goes back to the setting expectations. Like, what does it look like to be successful in this role? What is the end result? What are the activities broken down that need to go into um, the day-to-day work? And then what's the end result that we're expecting? And are we keeping track of those analytics and those results and making changes over time as it's working or as it isn't? Um, you know, business to a large extent is a bunch of experimentation, right? We're like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so oftentimes we have to try more than one method and then we get to double down on what is effective. And we have to analyze that uh, over time as well. And so if you just tell somebody to go do something and they get to decide how they do it and there's no metrics around whether or not they're successful or a specific outcome that you're looking for, it's not going to probably be that successful of a relationship and role for them. Um, so I think that you know, hopefully you'll find out through the hiring process that the person that you're um, looking for is somebody that is excited about learning new things. And that's just a part of their personality is taking on new challenges because they know that's how they grow and excel in the work that they do. Plus it just keeps it interesting, right? Like th- I think that's why we're all so passionate about the work that we do as entrepreneurs and working online and stuff. Um, for those of us that do, it's because it's constantly changing. Like you can't just get it down and then leave it and forget about it. You can with certain things, but there's always an evolution and we kind of have to keep up with the changes in order to continue to be successful in this realm. So all the time and it's nothing is ever stagnant. Do you know what I mean? It's always a work in motion. And uh, my other thing that I do want to talk about is for those listeners that are out there, you know, in my opinion of being in business for almost a decade now, I, you know, with my first business and now with this business is a lot of times I hear people's um, barrier to being able to do this is I, you know, these people are going to cost a fortune. Mm. Uh, like, so people are, oh my God, you, you spend $300,000 on Facebook ads and you know I mean, we can't afford that. Right. And so what I want to say is, you know, you have to start somewhere. And this is where, again, I'm a firm believer, again, when you hire based on skill set. So I'm hiring Facebook ads based on skill set, and I'm paying them for their years of experience in mastering the Facebook ads, right? Yep. But, I, but I have uh, my podcast VA team is here in Australia, but I chose that because I wanted them to be on Australian time if I had any problems, that they were English speaking for me was important for this particular t- group of tasks that I had uh, because my podcast is in English, right? Um, and that, but So I pay them a higher dollar from a VA point of view because they're in Australia, etc. But then you've got my VA who works my first business, Finley and me. She's in the Philippines. I pay her seven US an hour, which works up to probably about nine US or nine Aussie dollars an hour. And she does her, because her skill set is basically, I've given her an outline of what I want her to post, how I want her to post, where she can find the content. Like it's very, it's very easy for her to do it, right? But I get a lot of grief from people. And I just want to say a big, do you know what I mean? Like, when you're starting out, and even now, I still pay that lady. She's been with me for, I almost want to say over three years. I'd have to double check. It's been a while that Sheila's been with me. Is I'm still hiring a woman in the world that we all live in, do you know what I mean? Who mm-hmm. makes more money than her husband. Uh, she's got opportunity to stay home with her beautiful child and drop her off at school, right? Um, like, it's okay to hire people other than people in your own country. All right. And sometimes you do have to also, I think when you look through that process of hiring is what are those skills, but also how much can I afford right now? Okay. Because I do also see businesses get in trouble by hiring high ticket people. They don't have the cash flow, and then they have to let them go because they don't have their systems in place. So -hmm. I guess all I'm talking about is when you're looking at this, that it's okay to hire people on Fiverr and Upwork. Uh, Go to Gina too, because Gina's VAs will have a certain skill set also that you're probably going to need or not need for your business. But for all those haters out there that are like, oh, you're taking jobs away from Australia, or I'm taking jobs away from America. I don't look at it like that. I'm hiring based on skill set. And I'm also hiring based on giving women an opportunity opportunity to have employment and do the things that they love just like we do as entrepreneurs. So I look at things from a very different angle. So I just want to throw that out there. Well, good for you for standing up for yourself too. I get that uh, question a lot, like more on the 
student side that maybe they're US based, like how do I compete with somebody that's overseas? And my suggestion is never to have an us versus them conversation. Um, we actually have people from the Philippines that have taken our course and are a part of our community. So I guess I look at things a little bit differently and that we are a worldwide community or worldwide economy. Um, people live in different areas that have various costs of living. So within the United States alone, there is a huge difference between living in California or New York City and living in like rural Alabama or something like that. So even within our own country, you know, me speaking from the United States, there's a huge disparity. And so when I talk to people that are worried about getting underpriced by somebody that can afford to work for that $7 an hour, um, I just try and bring them back to what makes you unique and what can you offer. And, you know, the fact that there's like 28 million businesses in the U.S. alone, right? And it's, it's just, we have to have the abundance mindset and not that of scarcity. And I think you just have to look at, okay, I'm one person, I need a handful of clients and, you know, here's what I need in order to, to, you know, make this a good exchange for value for the work that I offer this client. And here's what makes it valuable to them. And just go and find your people because exactly there's right. plenty of people that are looking for help. And, and there's you know, work everywhere. There's, there is. And that's what I mean. That was like I said. I I have a hire from combination. So my podcast team, my oh my other VA here, Jimmy, that does a lot of work for Angela Anderson Consulting. She's from Australia because I wanted to be able to meet with her on Aussie time. But like I said, yeah. it's it's about you know what I mean. I, I believe it comes down to that skill set, right? Is the skill set that Katie and Lyndall have here in Australia is very different to the skill set that I've hired for my other stuff, right? So therefore, I'm happy to pay more premium dollar because of the value that they're adding to my business. And that was something that you just said. I think. That that's important is that to differentiate yourself in the space of VAs is again, like you said, what is that unique point of difference that people are going to be prepared to pay two, three, ten dollars more than someone down the road, you know? And that's right. again why I'm happy to pay Lyndall and Katie what we pay them because of the fact that I know they've got my back, I know what they're really great at, and I see the ROI, right? So, yeah. um, so yes, no, fantastic. Now, for those businesses that would like to connect with you or to find out more about you, how can they do that, Gina? Yeah, I mentioned my quirky last name. So Horky, H-O-R-K-E-Y, handbook.com is where you can find us. And if you're looking for a virtual assistant, there is a nice little menu icon that says hire a virtual assistant or find a virtual assistant, something like that. It's pretty clear when you make your way to our website. And then if you're looking for information about potentially getting started as a virtual assistant yourself, there's a lot of great resources that you can look into on the blog and website in general. Too. No, fantastic. Now I've got one final question. My final question is, um, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? I think just the opportunity that exists online. Um, so I'll try and not make this a super lengthy answer, but the cost of college education in the United States and probably all around the world is just atrocious, right? It's growing and inflating by a percentage that most average income earners are not going to be able to keep up with. And I remember going to college and I actually started when I was in high school and um, the state of Minnesota picked up the first two years of my college education because I went when I was a junior and senior in mm -hmm. high school. And then I went to a university and paid the rest on my own. And I think I came out with like $10,000 in credit card debt or not credit card, student loan debt, yeah, excuse yep. me. Yeah. And that was in 2004. And I ended up in finance as my first real career before I became an online entrepreneur. And I um, had the same job as somebody that went to a private university in the Twin Cities and he had over $100,000 in student loan debt and we had the same job. And that was one of those aha moments to me, like, this is crazy. Yeah. So anyways, I just think that what you're able to learn online these days is amazing. And it's only going to be um, more available and cost effective as time goes on and allow you to learn all of the things, right? And so I don't know that we'll force our children down this path of college education. If they want to become a surgeon, they're probably going to need to go to college and medical yes. school. But if they want to be an entrepreneur and dabble in you know, content creation or online marketing or all of these things that we can't predict right now, 
you know, there's other ways for them to break into that as well. Um, and I think one of the things that holds a lot of people back that might be listening or that are thinking about, you know, getting into kind of online business is they think that everything for some reason should be like free if they're not going to like a a university in person. (laughs) Like we just have this expectation somehow, some call it entitlement that, online education isn't, you know, worth paying money for. And and that's such a fallacy. Like if you're learning to looking to learn new skills, um, and you know, especially if you're able to then turn around and monetize them, like, well, that's what I say, like, you know, in my group coaching program, profit pillars, people like, Oh, it's not free. No, man, this is like almost a decade worth of me going around the world, paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn and be with some of the best people. And so in some ways, my cost to invest in my business is probably more than what both of my college degrees were, right? Because I chose to take that online course, go to the Maldives with James Remco's, not once, but twice, go here, go to social media marketing world, et cetera. And I just like, but so I I am educating it, but because it doesn't come with a bundled package, like, oh, it's a university degree, then therefore no. And I'm like, no. And that's what I look at also when people like, you're paying me not just for my knowledge of running two successful businesses, but you're paying me for my connections and you're paying me for my ongoing learning that I bring back to my group coaching or my one-to-one sessions, right? So it's like, you know, I think it is super important. Yeah. Don't ask for shit for free. And and also (laughs) free normally comes with a lot of downfalls too, because you're never going to get the full answers and support you need anyways. You're going to be looking for that next free thing and the next free thing. And then you're exchanging your time. And so again, sometimes you just need to invest because as I've said many times on this podcast, that I believe in order to experience a true transformation it only comes when a transaction has happened. And that can be transformation from like super positive and aha, or it could be also like there's been things that I've paid for that I'm like, oh, that kind of not really what I expected, but I learned my lessons from it. And I still had a transformation from that transaction. So, you know, I really think businesses need to get in a mindset that in order to grow, you can't do it on your own. You can't be asking shit for free and that you've got to invest whether or not that's building your dream team or building in a coach or whatever that is. But things, you know, you do have to still learn these things and you're best learning from people who have already been there and done that just like you do at a college right. education and, and no offense if you're building a business you don't want people coming to you asking you for no, free but yet everyone but so many people think that they can you know like oh that's a probably a know, whole nother podcast just, don't get me started Jesus. it is and we, yeah like, we should we should we should add up what our, what our investments are because that that's a really good point i definitely have invested more resources in building and growing my business than I did in my college education. And I've never thought about that. Yeah, no, it is. It's so like really we do. Like and it's like, I'm like, well, that's why I charge what I do, you know? So it's like, yeah. So no, listen, thank you so much because this is going to be really, really helpful for those people out there who are really solopreneurs at the moment and literally trying to do everything themselves, feeling that overwhelmed and burned out. The steps you've given us today are a great way for business owners to be able to start going and looking at that. Um, but before Sweet. we sign off though, um, obviously you've given them the opportunity on where that they can find you and we'll make sure that we've got everything um, in the show notes. And I guess that's just kind of how I wrap up before we sign off. Just remember that my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course I cover all sorts of related and life topics and inside my very active face community of about 6,000. So just head over to Facebook and type in Australian Business Collaborative and please know we have people from all around the world in there. Uh, but for the rest of you, have a fabulous day and I look forward to you joining me next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Gina, and I hope everyone has a fab day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au